I want to welcome all of you that are watching online. If you can, open up your Bibles, listen, as you remain standing, to Ephesians chapter, the book of Ephesians chapter 6. And, um, and I really believe it's going gonna, it's gonna to bless your socks off. May bless mine. That's why I don't have no socks on right now, right? And it says this. It says, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus and he's saying this. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes. And that word schemes... It means a plan that, that the adversary, your adversary has a sophisticated plan for your life. He studies you every day. He knows your motions. He knows the days you're weak. He is taking down the days you're tired and he knows exactly when to attack you. And so understand this, you're either going to fall to his plan or walk in God's plan. Okay, and look what it says. It says of the devil, and it goes on to say this. Listen, the next verse. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood and families and husbands and wives, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces and evil in heavenly places. And it goes on to say this. Listen, and it says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all, come on, let's say it together, to stand firm. In other words, get planted because the enemy cannot break you. It doesn't mean your problems won't bend you. And so you want to make sure you're standing firm when when, when you're going through things. Look, go on and say this. Watch this. Stand therefore having fastened the belt of truth and having to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Put on the shoes of your feet for the gospel of peace and continues. And he's talking about the armor. He says, and in all circumstances, take on the shield of faith. Listen, so those flaming darts of the evil one and take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And it goes on. Listen, and he says, praying at all times, not sometimes. Come on, say it with me. All times. In the spirit with all prayer and supplication that in. And keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And then Paul ends it by saying this. And also for me, that words may be given to me in the opening of my mouth, boldly to proclaim the mystery. Not, not, not timid, boldly. Listen, for which I am an ambassador in chains. And that word ambassador means that you are handpicked. Can I tell you something? That, that the difference between an ambassador and a mayor is that a mayor is subject to the people because they're an elected official. But when God calls you his ambassador, he's the one that chose you. Amen. Come on, at the end of the day, he has to, listen, he has to provide for you. Okay, and it says this, as ought to speak. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the spirit of revelation. Give our minds illumination that we'd experience transformation. God, I pray you give us a mind to perceive, a heart to receive all that you have. And I ask that after this message, we will never, never be the same. In Jesus' name, and all the people that are here say amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Now, Paul is writing to the church at, at Ephesus while being in prison. And most of us would look at that and say, he's in this negative state, actually in a place where he doesn't really even belong. And yet in this place that he's at, where he's not been accused of something really wrong, he has the most impact on people's lives. Paul is is a lot like Jesus in some sense, the way he communicates. He knows how to get right to the heart of people. 
when Jesus would communicate, often you would think, see that throughout the scriptures, there were these large crowds following Jesus. And, and, and most of us would think, oh, well, those are, those are believers. Those are people that love them. But, but the truth was they weren't. Those large crowds would follow Jesus because the first one is that they were curious. What is he going to do next? Is he the son of God? Is he really the son of God? Is he going to raise someone from the dead? Listen, what is he going to... And so curiosity would, would draw people to come hear Jesus. And then there were the religious leaders and the tax collectors of those days. They were trying to find fault in something that he would say so that they can accuse him for it. And yet even in Luke chapter 15 kind of gives this whole idea on how Jesus would communicate right to the heart. Because knowing his audience... Jesus spoke about something that was lost, but he, but he would take something that in some sense would be complicated and he would simplify it. And, 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 and he starts off in Luke 15 talking about the lost sheep. He kind of levels the playing field. He's saying, all of you are my sheep. You don't even know it yet, but you're all my sheep. I'm the great shepherd and you'll find out one day. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to level out the playing field. And some of them are looking like, what do you mean you'll leave the, the 99 and go after the one? I mean, man, look at you. Why, why, would you. why would you put in danger the 99 just to go after the one? They couldn't comprehend it. So as Jesus could see within them that they could not comprehend it, he goes, okay, let me land it at your, let me land it at your level. And Jesus would... All of a sudden, the next thing he says is, let me talk about the lost coin. And all of a sudden, all the tax collectors' ears went up. Why? Because he's speaking right directly to their hearts. And then he goes on to speak about the lost son. All the people who were curious, their hearts went up. Why? Because most of them were orphans. Jesus had a way of speaking directly to your heart. It's the same thing Paul did. Paul would often go to large metropolitan cities, such like Ephesus. But it was in those places that they understood the Romans. They, they studied them. They looked at them. They, they'd always see all these Roman soldiers going everywhere. And so when he was going to take something so complicated, he would use a metaphor of a Roman soldier's gear to paint the message. It's what it, he mastered those things. And so did Jesus. They could take something so complicated. Ten commandments. Those ten commandments had to be lived out by 613 expressions. Imagine God's trying, hey, you got to live by these 613 expressions because you got to live by these ten commandments. And Jesus shows up. He says, wait a minute. It's complicated. So let me just break them up into two. The first five commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Second five, second six through ten, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Jesus says, all you got to do is live by those two commandments. Jesus had a way of taking something so complicated and simplify it. It's what he did. And so when Paul is writing about, listen, about how you are facing situations, every one of us will face trials. Every one of us will face storms. Every one of us will face these. And some of you are even facing them now. And you're going, how do I get past this? And you sit there and you go, man, sometimes I feel overwhelmed. Sometimes I'm going through things. And, and here's, here's what God's trying to do. Here's what God's trying to, trying to get to you. Because prayer is less about what's happening around you. And it's more about what God's trying to build inside of you. Because at the end of the day, God reminds us all the time through the life of Jesus that he's constantly reminding us, hey, listen, I could take care of anything that's out there. 
You don't even have to worry about it. The disciples, oh Jesus, man, listen, there's 5,000 men with all their families. There's 20,000 people and there's no food. What are we going to do with them? Jesus is like, come on, man. You don't think I could, I could feed these people? He says, well, what, what is it that someone has? Oh, well, this little boy has two fish and five loaves. He says, Jesus, bring them to me. They, they put them in the hands of Jesus. Listen, they're, they're right here. And Jesus, the Bible says specifically, he lifted them up and he blessed it. And then when he brought it back down, it was still two fish and five loaves. He puts it into the hands of the disciples that just minutes ago were telling the crowds, we don't have nothing. The miracle never took place in the hands of Jesus. It took place in the hands of the doubters. Because what Jesus was trying to let them know is that you should be less concerned about what's out there. That's not what, I can always change that. What I'm really trying to change what's inside of you. You remember when, 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 when they sent for Jesus, go tell Jesus, my brother, my brother Lazarus is dead. And Jesus coming in four days later. I mean, can you imagine if your friend showed up four days? You look at your friend and say, why'd you even come? And then, and, and, and Jesus comes four days later. They're like, Jesus, you late. Just like, what? You late, Jesus? My brother already died. And she's looking at him like, girl, you emotional right now. <laughs> and he goes, I am the resurrection. Yes. What you talking about? I'm late. I'm never late. I'm never early. I'm always on time. No, no, no. No. What he was trying to let them know is, no, you're telling me you're late. You're telling me that I'm late according to your time. But I'm on time on my time. And, 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 and so, so what does he do? Lazarus, come forth. Because if he just said come forth, everyone would have came out. Lazarus, come forth. What was he trying? He had all that under control. Because prayer is less about changing your situation and more about changing what's in your heart. And you go into prayer all the time, oh God, change this. And God's like, girl, I'm trying to change you. God, supply all my needs. He's like, I own a cattle on a thousand hills, girl. When are you going to find that out? I'm trying to change you. And so Paul it's talking about this, this, this armor of what it's like because you and I have to know how to fight the good fight of faith. And a good fight just means that, only reason why a good fight doesn't mean you're not going to fight. It just means that the outcome has already been settled. And so, so why he calls it a good fight is because a, a good fight only is a good fight if the outcome is already determined. Which means you never go into battle to try to get a victory. The victory has already been determined. You go into battle because you are taking territory that the enemy is trying to take from you. And so at the end of the day, this is why Paul says, I rejoice when I go through trials and tribulations. Why did Paul, ain't nobody get excited about going through trials unless you're going to walk out of a trial with faith you didn't have before you walked into it. 
You're going to walk out with an understanding of the God you serve if, before you are. Listen, how would you ever know he's the God who heals if you're never sick? How can you ever know he's the God that can provide if you're never broke? How could you ever know he's the God of your salvation if you were never lost? See, you don't realize that what the enemy's trying to do is he's trying to trick you. He's trying to get you off plan. But God turns things around and he teaches you things that you would never know unless you walked into it. Come on, am I talking to somebody? So watch this. The first thing he tells us when it comes, listen, when it comes to the armor of God, listen, the first thing he tells us, come on, put my slide up. I'm on, I'm, I'm, I'm on the road. Now just watch this. All you got to do is watch this finger right here, okay? When I do this, it's we on, okay? Listen, he says, focus on the truth of Jesus. The first, what was he talking about? The fir- listen, the first element, watch this, the first element he does, he says, with the belt of truth, buckle around your waist. Now watch this, Here, here's what happens. When, when, when a Roman soldier would, when, wouldn't be in the battle, they would just have like a, a coat on or, or, or big old robe. So, so I'm kind of illustrating like this because if I took, <laughs> you don't want me to take, take, take my jacket off, I might intimidate some of you with my guns, you know what I mean? And so, so I'm trying to like, you know, I'm trying to... Trying to, you know, I know y'all have guns in the, over here. I know some of you probably have guns inside of here. But I'm not talking about the gun that's here. I'm talking about this gun right here, you know. So, so they, they, they would kind of walk around, right? And, but when, when, when they were getting ready to go into battle, they would get a belt and they'd buckle themselves up. Because the belt would hold everything else. The belt will hold the shield the, 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 the belt will hold the sword. So the first thing you got to understand when it comes to battle is that you have to identify the truth from a lie. Because the Bible says your adversary is the father of lies. That in him there is no truth. That means the devil, oh, well, you're not going to make it. How can he tell you you're not going to make it when he doesn't have the authority over your life? But you fall for a lie because you don't know the what? The truth. And so, so what, you, what you forget is that you forget that, that you're, well, it's the devil. He ain't no devil. Stop calling him a devil. Why do we, we well, he's just a devil. Uh, he's a, no, no, no. He's Lucifer. It's who he is. Okay, you know, that, 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 that's his bipolarism is the devil. Okay, he's, he's, he's Lucifer. Because see, watch this, watch this. When I call him by who he is, I get a real truth and reminder of who he is. Let me remind you really quick that he's Lucifer, which means he was one out of three distinct angels that God created. The first one was Gabriel, which was the messenger. The second was Michael, who's the fighter. And then he created Lucifer, who was the worshiper. One day pride walks in in Lucifer, and when pride walks in, God walks out. And so God says, you know what? I'm going to throw you out. I'm going to throw you out. I'm going to throw you out. And guess what? You know what Lucifer did? Knowing that he was going to get thrown out, he goes and gathers other angels to get against God. And God says, oh, okay, you're going to do me like that? Okay, why don't you all go? Because here's, here's one thing you got to understand about the devil, uh, about, about Lucifer. One thing you got to understand about Lucifer is that Lucifer doesn't like to fall alone. It's why the enemy will allow you to sin and he'll allow you to just keep on sinning and succeed while you're sinning. Because at the end of the day, he doesn't want you to fall alone. He wants to take everybody else with you because that's the way he got treated. 
And so what happens? He gets thrown out of heaven. When he gets thrown out of heaven, heaven still had its fight because it still had Michael. It still had his message because it still had Gabriel. But what it didn't have, it didn't have worship. And so, so, so God says, hmm, you know what? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make another. And I'm going to put them a little bit above the angels. And I'm going to make man. And for the very reason I'm going to make man is to be my worshipers. Come on, listen to me. Listen to me. You want to know why the devil hates you? Is because you get to do what he cannot do anymore. He knows what worship does to the ears of God. And that's why when you're going through hell and high water, you got to open up your mouth and begin to give God praise because he knows what worship does. And so he's a liar, which means, and then he's an angel, which means he only has the ability to see the horizon. God never gave permission to the angels to see into your tomorrow. It's why they're not validated to speak into your future. This is why every time the devil says, well, tomorrow's going to be, it's going to be bad. And you stressing about tomorrow? Why are you stressing about tomorrow when the, when the adversary, Lucifer, doesn't even know what's going to happen in your tomorrow? That means everything he's telling you is a lie because he's the father of lies. And what do you got to do? You got to identify the what? The truth. And so the first thing you got to do when you go into battle is not go into battle with doubts. You got to go into battle with truth. And what is the truth about my situation? There may be facts, but facts are not the truth. The truth stands forever. The facts may say, well, brother, you're sick. The truth says, I'm the God that healed thee. The facts may say, you don't got no money. But the truth says, my God supplies all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. The facts may say, well, things are going to get worse. But the truth says, I'm the God that can turn your bad into good because the, you got to help me today. And so what do you, what do you got to, you got to see And the Roman soldier, when they would, when they would fight and they would fight and they would fight and, and it literally what would happen, listen, literally what would happen is, is they'd continue to fight and they may not see the victory. And we you know what happens. The belt would loosen up. So they would take a break. And they would tighten the belt up. In other words, they tightened the truth. At the end of the day, some of you have been fighting about, man, I, I'm coming to church all by myself. You know, my husband, he tripping. No, 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 no. Listen to me. If you're saved, your household is. It just hasn't come to pass yet. That's Acts 16, 31. What must I do to be saved? You must believe in Lord Jesus Christ. Believe. Believe it with your heart. You and your household. All God needs is one person. And if he has that one person, the entire household can be saved. What do I? I got to tighten up the truth. So the first thing you got to do when you go into battle Listen, is you got to identify the truth from a lie. Because here's what you do. You talk so much about your lies. Well, I just can't believe what's going on in my house. You know, I just can't believe what's happening. Oh, my God. OMG. Hashtag. You know what I mean? And then you're all in Facebook, Instagram, all this kind of stuff, Snapchat, you know. And, you, you know, I'm having a bad day. Emoji signs like, who? That's, why? You don't got your belt on. You got to tighten up the truth. No, 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 God. You said, according to your word, I'm going to tighten this thing up. The second thing he tells him, listen, second thing he says, keep short accounts. 
So the next thing they would do, listen, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. So, so in those days, the breastplate of righteousness was like a leather, it was almost like a biker jacket. And they would put on this leather jacket, like a, a, a breastplate over them, and it would guard their hearts and guard their lungs. In other words, what Paul was letting you know is that when you go into battle, the first thing when you're facing something, you got to identify the truth. What does the truth say about my situation? Yes, Not the facts. What does my truth say? And then I'm going to stand on the word of God because that's truth. Then what I'm going to do, listen to me. Then what I'm going to do is I'm going to guard my heart. Because watch this. There's something powerful. Jude 1.20 says this. It says, when you're praying in the spirit, it will build up your most holy faith. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, praise God. My faith is going to be. But, but you forget what the verse, next verse says. It says, keep your heart in love. You want to know why? Because Paul one day writes in Romans, he says, faith works by love. Listen, the enemy knows he can't defeat you, so he distracts you. Listen, and if he can distract you, if he can't distract you, then he wants to hurt you. Because, listen, the enemy of better is bitter. And so he tries to get you mad, angry. And when you have anger in your heart, faith doesn't work. Because faith worketh by what? Come on, faith worketh by what? Come on, say it like it. Faith worketh by what? Faith. So listen, nobody should ever have the control to try to get you mad. Listen, this is what I tell my church all the time. You can't help. You, you, you cannot stop dysfunctional people. At the end of the day, you can't help when someone hurts you. There's nothing you can do. But the choice you have is to stay hurt. You, can't, you don't have the choice to get hurt, but you have the choice to stay hurt. And so at the end of the day, if someone comes and you're going through something in life, here's what you have to decide. I'm standing on the truth of God. I'm not going to let this dysfunctional person try to get to my heart because I got to keep my heart pure. I got to keep it alive. Because faith worketh by what? Love. By love. Yeah, and so I know I can't. I, I can't even afford for your dysfunction to even happen. Because you can't even try to attempt to get, to get me mad. Hello, somebody. There's been times, listen, folks be tripping. And I have to remind myself, faith worketh by love. Obed, you got to love your enemies. Because faith worketh by love. You are not that important to get my faith to stop. My faith is at work right now. It, it, it is accomplishing what I cannot do in the natural. And you're going to try to jack me up? The devil is a liar. <laughs> Silly rabbit tricks are for kids, right? <laughs> Listen, the third thing, watch this. The third thing is you got to get actively involved. Watch what he does. What, what, what does he do? Listen, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says this, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Now, now watch this. This is what's awesome. The first thing you got to do is you got you, 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 you to stand on the truth. Stop believing lies. Tighten up your belt. Then what you got to do? You got to guard your heart because faith worketh by love. And here's the third thing he does. You got to put your shoes on. Why? Because God already has a prepared place for you. Listen, God never brings you out of something unless he has something prepared for you to walk into. 
Come on, I'm going to say that one more time. Someone, someone came on Sunday morning at 930. And some of you watching online need to hear this. That at the end of the day, God never closes one door unless he has another door waiting for you to walk into. And at the end of the day, when he, when he told the children of Israel, you're coming out of Egypt. Canaan was already flowing. It was already flowing. It was already there. Because God always has a prepared place for you. You're never walking into something you have to create. Because God always creates the places before he puts in the people. This is what he did in the garden. I'm going to create the garden first. Then I'm going to put the people in there. This is why you can never take credit for what you make. Because you don't make nothing, you inherit it. Hello, somebody. So every time you're, you know, God, I know that you're taking me somewhere. Listen, I know you, I know you, I, I know God you are because it's a prepared place for you. It's already there. It's already flowing. But you got to put on the shoes. I love shoes. Like it's biblical. All you ladies missed an amen on that one. You missed an amen on that one. I love shoes. It, Isaiah 52, 7, how lovely are the mountains of the feet of them who bring good news. So my wife, my wife's always asked me like, because everywhere, I, if I travel places, I, I tell them, take me two places. Take me to the best coffee shop and take me where I can get some exclusive shoes that nobody got. <laughs> nobody got. Because I mean, y'all over here, you, di- you know, you, you, you guys got, you guys invest in guns. <laughs> I'm going to buy me a $1,500 gun. And I walk into the church and they're like, whoa, that preacher wearing some nice shoes. I'm like, dude, I ain't looking at you saying that's a nice gun. <laughs> You know, you guys got them big old deer, the four-wheelers, you know what I mean? Like, eh, you know, doing all this kind of stuff. And then a brother come in with some nice shoes and like, ooh, he one of them. He come in with some nice shoes. Oh, my God. I'm like, brother, I don't got no deer thing like you do. You know what I mean? Like, you guys, right? Shooting ducks and stuff like that. Let them birds fly. (laughs) Taking out your anger on them. (laughs) But, but, but what they would do is they put, they'd put, they'd put, they, they feed, they'd put their shoes on, but they wouldn't put their shoes on until they were ready. See, it takes a while to get a revelation of the truth. And it may take time for your heart to get healed. The worst thing you can do is put on your shoes to take new territory and still have an unsettledness in your heart. Come on, talk to me. Can I, can I, can I, can I speak to some of you single people? Let me speak to you for a second, okay? It's no good trying to get into a new relationship if you still got the residue of your last one still on your heart. You you putting on the shoes too quick. You ain't ready yet. Oh, I'm ready. He fine. Oh, I know he fine. (laughs) But you ain't ready yet. Okay? Looks will always be there. But the heart, come on somebody. You you gotta, you know, gotta get past the, the face, the body. You got to be attractive. I tell people in my church all the time, people are like, oh, I just love him, man. Look at the way he worships. I'm like, no, 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 no. 
Don't fall for that. Oh, my God, just love him because he loved Jesus. No, he got to get past your eyes before he gets to the heart. So they got to look good. You know, Christians, they over-spiritualize everything. Oh, my God, I just want to fall in love with his heart. It's like, well, how, why would you fall in love with his heart if you're not attracted to his face? Got to see his face all the time. So the other day, listen, don't go, <laughs> don't go into something where you're not ready. Come on. I want to get there fast. No, enjoy the journey. Amen. You're going to get there. See, see, when you understand the outcome is already settled, yes, then you can enjoy the journey. Yes, because at the end of the day, the journey, listen, listen, don't be like the children of Israel. The journey from Egypt to the Canaan was supposed to take them 13 days. It took them 40 years. If you ain't writing this down, write this, out. write this down. You don't determine the wilderness you go through, but you do determine how long you stay there. Come on, Come on are you hearing me? You don't determine the wildernesses you go through, but you do determine how long you stay there. Because the quicker you obey, the quicker you go through. If you fail the test, you gotta repeat the cycle. And that's what happens. Listen, number three, I got to go as quick as I can. Listen, trust God in difficult times. You got to trust God in difficult times. Here's, here's what the Bible says. Look what it goes on to say. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith. Take it up. So watch it. Look how it happens. Look at the pattern. I got I to gotta tighten the truth up. I got to guard my heart. I got to put the shoes on to take territory and have peace in doing it. And now I got to take up the shield of faith. Listen. I got to walk by faith. You can't walk without shoes. So, the, so how I know I'm going through, how I know I'm going somewhere while going through something and I have peace is because I've tightened up the truth. Come on, I've guarded my heart. My shoes are on and now my steps are being ordered of the Lord. And I got peace going through it. People look at you and say, man, you're going through all this kind of stuff. Dang, girl. I got peace. Listen, the fourth one, really quick. You got to win the battle of the mind. You got to win the battle of the mind. Look what the Bible says. The Bible says this, take the helmet of salvation. So watch this, tighten up the truth, guard my heart, walk in peace, renew my mind. Every day I got to renew my mind because Here's, here's all your thoughts know how to do. If, let me just park here. I'm going to park here. And you know what? You could watch the rest on a rebroadcast. I felt the Holy Ghost just tell me, stop right here. Watch this. You have to discern between your thoughts and your imagination. Listen to me. I'm going to give you something that's going to revolutionize your life. Your thoughts only have the ability to take you back. Your imagination only has the ability to move you forward. I'm going to say it one more time. Your thoughts can only remember. Your imagination can only dream. Let me tell you something. When you put on the helmet of salvation, here's what the Bible says. I remember not your sins no more. 
which means you're talking about the God who's omniscient, who's all-knowing, who has the ability to never forget, but he chooses to forget one thing, your sins. Here's what's crazy, is that your thoughts try to suffocate your imagination. And at the end of the day, that's why the Bible says, take your thoughts into captivity. Why? Because most of you are still thinking about things back there. And you stop dreaming about things over there. I gotta, I gotta tighten up the truth. I gotta guard my heart. I gotta put on my shoes. I got to start dreaming about my future. And then all of a sudden, I'm going to take up the sword of the Spirit. Because what am I going to do? Listen, I'm going to rehearse. Just throw it, buddy. I can catch. I'm the Cowboys. No, I'm joking. No, I'm not a Cowboys fan. NFL stands for not for long. I'm a USC fan, full-time, part-time LSU fan. I'm an LSU fan because I was inherited into that family, my pastor. But I want to end with this. (coughs) Excuse me. I want to end with this. And that is, what battle are you facing? What are you going through? Because what's in front of you isn't greater what's inside of you. You are more fixated on trying to change what's around you when God is more fixated on trying to change what's inside of you. You're trying to get him to put his attention on where your attention is, and that's out here. He's trying to redirect your attention to tell you don't worry about what's out here. That's why I left you this book I left you this Bible with 66 books in there to just remind you I can speak to the storms and they'll stop I can raise the dead if they die I could take your little and I can multiply it to enough he's constantly reminding you I can you can lose your vision and I'll take some mud put it over your eyes and you'll get sight all over again you can feel like you've been shorthanded but I can tell your hands to stretch and they will come forth. You can sit there and say, you know what? I'm going to die while I'm on this journey, but I'm in the boat with you. You could sit there and say, but Lord, it seems like the storms are just getting hotter. And he's the fourth person in that fiery furnace. You could sit there and say, I just feel like the lions are all around me. And God says, I'm the lion of the tribe of Judah. I will shut the mouth of the lions up in your life. But Pastor, I just feel like I'm going through a drought. I'm the God that will send a prophet to speak to the clouds and bring rain over your life. You know, you, you want to know why all these miracles are there? Not just for us to read them, but for us to be reminded. I can change all of that. But I'm more concerned about changing here. You know what I've learned about being a man of prayer? is that prayer is less about what I'm going to tell them about. And it's more about aligning myself up and saying, God, today can I put my attention on what you have your attention on? My heart. 
change me today. Listen, with your head bowed and your eyes closed here today. You say, Pastor Obed, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going through a storm, going through something heavy. This hit home. You gave me the steps. I need to tighten the truth. I need, a, I, I, need a, I need less worry about what's going on around me. Holy Spirit, change what's inside of me. And you're here today and you say, that's me. Listen, this is the safest place you can be. I'm going to ask you to stand on the count of three because the Holy Spirit's touching you right now. I'm asking you to do something. Probably you've never done. I don't know if you do it here, but I'm asking you to stand on the count of three. I'm going through something and I need prayer on the count of three. One, two, three. Stand wherever you're at. Now, I want you to, it's awesome. Look at that. Now, now I'm asking you to do something else, okay? It's probably you've never done this, but sometimes you've got to do something you never done to get something you never had. Okay? I'm asking you to sit back down. Real quick. Sit back down. Now, sitting down is your posture of receiving. When you come into prayer, whether you're sitting, kneeling, it's your posture of prayer. And once you've been equipped, come on, then stand. Come on, now stand. Stand up again. Those of you that stood. The difference between standing this time than the first time was because you weren't equipped ready to go but when you learn to sit first then stand then you'll walk and you'll defeat the adversary you will defeat Lucifer because you received while you sat you stood in faith and then you walked in power come on are you hearing me and so so I'm going to sit at his feet I'm going to stand in faith and I'm going to walk in authority and in power. Father, I thank you for every person that's standing right now. Lord, I thank you that their lives are being changed. I thank you that their faith is being ignited. Father, there's nothing that we're going through that's around us that's greater than you that's on the inside of us. God, you are the God who orchestrates what's around us to get the attention back to what you want our attention on. And that's you. And so, Father, I thank you for equipping the people, equipping their hearts, equipping their lives. In Jesus' name. Listen, if you're here today and you say, Pastor Ben, I don't have a relationship with God. I don't have one. I'd love to have one. I don't know if you're, even if I'm right with God. But I want to make sure I leave today and I'm right with God. Listen, the Holy Spirit's here. All you got to do is confess with your mouth. Listen, if you're here today and you say, that's me. On the count of three, I'm asking to lift your hands wherever you're at. One, two, three, just lift them up. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you way in the back. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Come on, we're all going to say this prayer. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me today of my sins. I ask you to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. You died on the cross, you rose from the grave, and you're coming back again. I will never be the same. Thank you for changing my life beginning today. I'm going to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can you give the Lord a big clap offering? Amen.